You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. You know, it's my honor to introduce to you someone that you likely know. Her name is Pastor Corey Sullivan. She and her family have been here at Mosaic for almost a decade, and they've made such an impact in so many people's lives. Corey's our pastor of community and oversees our Mosaic communities and does an amazing job at that. And so I've asked her to come and bring this week's message, the conclusion again, to what I hope has been a real blessing to you and to your life, our series called Reversal. She's going to be concluding it and taking a look one more time at how trusting Jesus turns it all around. Would you welcome Pastor Corey Sullivan. Happy New Year's, everyone, and thank you, Pastor Morgan, for your kind introduction and the opportunity that you've given me for today. Like Pastor Morgan mentioned, I get the privilege of bringing this series titled Reversal that led us all the way through the book of Luke to a close. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I highly encourage you to go back and watch this series from the start to see how Jesus can turn your life around. But if you're not trying to go back to 2022 in any way, shape, or form all good. I got you. Come back next week in person or online to our north or south location as we begin a new series titled Miracles to see God's power at work in our lives today. And because we are all in need of some miracles, I know I am praying for a few for myself and for my friends and family. And isn't that what New Year's Day is about hope-filled expectations for great change. But how we get there or produce a desired change in our life isn't always known or doesn't seem possible. But on January 1, on New Year's Day, baby, the unknown, which can sometimes produce anxiety or can feel daunting, on New Year's Day, change feels promising and like a blessing. And I don't know what, if any, New Year's Day resolution you have today, but better than fulfilling a resolution, I pray you receive divine revelation from the reading and hearing of God's word today and every day this year. Come on, Bible readers, come on. Now, before I read our scripture for today that comes from the last chapter of Luke, let me give a five-second backstory just in case you missed the entire season but are here for the grand finale. Jesus, fully God, fully man, came to earth on a mission to save humanity. He gathered 12 disciples, preached to the thousands, performed miracles, confused intellects, convicted others, forgave sins, healed hearts, minds, souls, and bodies, showcased empathy, took some naps, broke some bread, drank some wine, and was countercultural when it came to the poor and the outcasts and how he treated women and children, how he elevated them. Oh, and he proved he was the son of God. He was God, the savior the prophets foretold by dying on the cross and being raised back to life three days later, defeating death. You should really go back and watch the entire season or series or read the book. It's always better anyways. Now, Jesus appeared to many after his death alive and well, and now the news of Jesus' sightings is getting out. This is where we pick up with the disciples gathered around talking together about the news and the encounters of the living Jesus Christ. It's the finale of the book of Luke that again helps us see how trusting Jesus can turn it all around. As we look at the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples and his final act on earth. Let's read now from Luke 24, 36 through 53. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, 
peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet, it is I. Touch and see, a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and feet, and while they were still, and while they still did not believe, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blesses them and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. Then they worshiped and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now within this passage, we can see how Jesus blesses his disciples in at least three ways. And if we can see how he blessed them then, we can see how he is blessing us now. Today, we will focus on the blessing of his peace, the blessing of his understanding, and the blessing of his departure. First up, the blessing of his peace. Verse 36, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now I want you to visualize this room with me. Okay, not the room I'm in, but the one with the disciples where they were. It was alive with chatter, each person talking over one another, questioning, can this be true? Has the Lord actually risen? Wait, tell me again, you didn't recognize him while you were walking with him, but then you did recognize him while you ate bread with him, while you broke bread with him? Meanwhile, while all this was happening, Jesus was in the room. While they were still talking about Jesus, about the circumstances at hand, buzzing with excitement and confusion, Jesus himself stood among them and speaks, peace be with you. How often do we stand around talking about our circumstances or maybe even perhaps talking about Jesus all while the living presence of God that we've forgotten is among us? We see this here. As they were talking over one another in frantic excitement and fear and wonder, not even noticing his presence in the room, he answers all with four words. Peace be with you. Now we have to pause here at these four words first because peace be with you, not only is it Jesus speaking, it's the first thing he says. And Jesus' words always have depth. So let's dig in a little bit more to these four words before we take it as a simple greeting. Now, some of you may be familiar with this phrase, peace be with you, if you have attended a Catholic mass, or maybe you come from a similar, similar liturgical background, this might be familiar as it has been a common Catholic liturgy at the close of mass. The priest would say, peace be with you, to which the congregation would respond, and also with you. This Catholic liturgy comes from Jesus' words right here in Luke 24. But perhaps you, like me, did not grow up in a liturgical church, or for that matter, any church service. So when you hear the sentence, peace be with you, what you hear is a sentence with the words maybe out of order or in the wrong order. Because when I hear peace be with you, what actually I hear in my mind is the voice of the master Jedi Yoda from Star Wars. 
peace, saying peace be with you, but no, I am not going to attempt to do Yoda's voice today. But bear with me, because to get Yoda's voice out of my head, I had to update the phrasing just a little bit. To me, peace be with you in plain and quarry English sounds like Jesus, after listening to all the constant chit-chat, sighing, taking a deep breath, exhaling, sighing and saying, calm down people. But thankfully to all of us, peace be with you is more than that. It is so much more because peace be with you is Jesus saying, peace is with you. I, Jesus, your friend and savior and Lord, I am with you. I am here with you. He is the peace. Their peace and ours is with him. We can find peace in his presence. So when he says, peace be with you, he is saying, I am with you. Their peace and ours is in him. We can find peace in his presence. So when he says, peace be with you, he is saying, I am with you. So my version might need a little amendment. Jesus still sighs first and says, calm down people, you can calm down now because I am here with you. Okay, so confession time, I'm a mom of three and I have to be honest, even though to some I have a very calming voice, as a mom, I'm not the most chill. All of my kids now are teenagers and in fact, many Sundays you can see both my boys behind one of these cameras and my daughter with her crew on the coffee bar cleanup team. But when they were little, uh, they weren't so helpful. My younger two, my second son, and my youngest, my daughter, would rile each other up so much and so often that my husband and I actually coined a term for this whirlwind of chaos. We called it the fog because they would descend upon us like flames of glory. And when we would hear them from the other room, our very matter-of-fact eldest son, who caught on to this phenomenon and descriptor, would state, here comes the fog, as he exited the opposite direction. Now, I'm not Latina, but I am originally from South Texas, and you can still, you could and still can catch me spitting Spanish phrases when English just doesn't feel like it hits the point. Like when the fog would burst into the room with their hyper and somewhat destructive energy, I would shout, calmate, which basically means calm yourself down, chill. As Jesus here is the non-anxious presence in the room, I was the mom yelling, calm down. Genius move, I know. And even more humbling was years later, my daughter confessed that she never understood what I was saying when I yelled, calmate. So instead of understanding, she was just confused. Sweet, good job, Corey. Now, in my story, my kids' frenzy would come to me, but Jesus, he is the one who enters the room, not with chaos, but with calmness, because the power isn't in the words. The power is in his presence. Jesus blessed his disciples by being present. His presence is peace. Being in the presence of Jesus is to have peace be with you. And like the disciples, we can also receive this peace. And unlike me, who confused my children while trying to calm them down, Jesus continued to bless the disciples with the blessing of understanding. The more you know. The blessing of understanding. Verse 44 through 47. He said to them, 
This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. All right, now let me read that verse again. A little bit changed in a way with attitude that I'm projecting onto Jesus here because surely, surely Jesus was exasperated at this point. I get that he was fully God, but I take great comfort knowing that he was fully man. So let me say it again with a little bit of creative liberties, if you will. This is Jesus saying, how many times do I have to repeat myself? He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled. Say it with me. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. Remember in the law of Moses? Remember what the prophets spoke? You know what they prophesied about me? Remember in the Psalms, the songs that were written about me? No, still not there yet? Sure, sure, it's fine. Why don't you go ahead and hold my communion wine while I drop this mic real quick? Okay, maybe that was too far. Pastor Morgan said I gotta bring it back now. So let's go back to verse 45. It says, he then opened their minds so they can understand the scriptures. I don't know if you've ever sat in a math class where the teacher so easily solves the math problem on the board behind her and then looks back at the class and says, did you get that? Did you see how I just solved that problem so easily? And your heart sank in that moment because you in fact did not see how she solved that problem. I know there were many times in my life in math classes that I needed some divine understanding, but unfortunately my math teachers were not Jesus. And unlike our math teachers and really any of our teachers, Jesus is more than a teacher. He is more than a model to learn from. He is the living presence of God. Now, before this moment, we have read about the disciples and all that Jesus had spoken to them up until this point. The disciples grew up learning about the Messiah to come through the Torah, the law of Moses, the law that had been revealed to Moses and passed down for generations to guide the people of God to prepare for the coming Messiah. The disciples encountered and are called by Jesus himself to follow him. And along their journey, in their time with Jesus before his death and resurrection, they listened to him teach and answer questions in such a way that highlighted his divinity. They had even seen him perform miracles. But we see throughout the disciples' time with Jesus again and again and again and again, they were hearing what Jesus was saying. They were listening to him teach, but they were just not getting it. They had been inspired but not yet awakened. Now, I wanna share a little bit more about myself today with you, more than my awesome parenting skills. I want to share with you a snapshot of my salvation story. My childhood was not one of white picket fences. The hills were not alive with the sound of music. Now, I'm not gonna get into detail because that's not the point of the story, but to summarize, there was substance abuse in the home that would escalate to physical, emotional, and verbal abuse. We were also poor, but during this very dark season of my life, the summer between my fourth and fifth grade year, this young couple came around our neighborhood on an off night and asked the neighborhood parents if they could pick up the neighborhood kids in their van 
feed them dinner and take them to a local church to talk to them about Jesus. Now, God blessed the parents of the 90s because they said, vaya con Dios niños, and away we went. Now, unfortunately, this young dating couple who had dreams of starting this ministry in a low-income neighborhood, their relationship did not last and therefore neither, neither did this ministry. However, once a week for this one summer, I got to hear the news that I had a friend and his name was Jesus. I, I was inspired by this news and so when the fall came and those visits to, the, to get dinner and to the local church came to an end, school began and I started to walk to school talking with my friend Jesus. I would talk to him about elementary age things like the birds in the air who I was convinced I could communicate to and could understand me while I was whistling. But this year of me walking and talking with my friend Jesus came and went. My world through middle school and high school did not grow brighter and my childlike wonder went to the wayside. But at 21, that same girl who needed a friend now needed a church to get married in. And it was through our church for a through our search for a building, because let me be real honest, your girl was not looking for Jesus, but by his grace, God was looking for me. A woman named Jana Pollard shared the full heart of the Father with me. The gospel was presented to me. She told me Jesus was my savior, that he died to make me whole, to right the wrongs, to heal the broken, and that he was the only home that would satisfy my soul. I broke in this moment because it was in this moment that a memory came flooding back to me. And it was the memory of Jesus walking with me to school through some of the darkest days of my childhood. He had been with me before I fully understood who he was. That summer as a child, I had been inspired by the news that I had a friend in Jesus and I had walked and talked with him. But at this moment as an adult, I was awakened to the full extent of the gospel. Maybe you have been inspired by the teachings of Jesus Christ or you have heard about God but have not yet been awakened to the reality of his salvation. That is not where he wants you to end. Inspiration is an idea or insight. However, an awakening is gaining understanding that moves us. An awakening, an awakening is a realization that can have a profound impact on a person's way of life. To be awakened is to change one's state of being. You were asleep. You might have been inspired, but now you are awakened. Jesus wants to move us from inspiration to an awakening to receiving what he has for us. And one of the things he uses sometimes, just like he used with his disciples here, is suffering, loss, confusion, disappointment, and even grief. This is hard for us as it was for them because no one wants to gain the knowledge and understanding that comes from suffering. And yet, in suffering, we do gain an even deeper understanding of who our God is. If we let him in our suffering and allow him space in our grief, we can receive a gift and a promise fulfilled. The blessing of his understanding is a gift of more of him. I have found that deep sorrow is one of the most vulnerable of emotions. Deep sorrow is not something that most people know how to handle. It's complicated with a slew of emotions and there is no quick fix. There's no timetable or medicine you can take for seven days to feel all better. Also, it just sucks. It's actually the worst. The reality of brokenness is almost too much to bear. And I believe that is so because we were never created to bear it alone. But in deep sorrow, something 
can if we let it come through. And to be more accurate, not something can come through, but someone. It's the knowledge and understanding of God who suffers with us, the God who suffered for us. The disciples had been inspired by the teachings of Jesus Christ, but here in this moment, they were awakened to God's holy truth. They finally understood that not only was Jesus at the center of the whole story, but somehow he was with them in the teachings. He was with them in the suffering. He was with them in their grief, in their loss, in their confusion, and now he was with them in the blessing of understanding. And from that understanding, the lesson of loss we gain the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, as it says in the Philippians 3, conforming to his likeness in Romans 8, persevering that builds character and character maturity and character that leads to hope in Romans in the book of James. What comes, what forms within us is a deep-seated gratitude and a deeper understanding of joy. Giving thanks to God in all circumstances comes from the blessing of understanding. With the understanding of who God is comes gratitude through our pain. Gratitude for Emmanuel, God with us. Gratitude for the day. Gratitude for a good meal with friends and family. Gratitude for a genuine belly laugh. Gratitude for the community that comes alongside and doesn't try to fix it or make it better, but the community of God that knows that your pain is their pain, so they come and stay. The blessing like this cannot be quantified. It does not remove the sorrow, but it comes and takes up space beside it. We are not left with only sorrow, but gain the understanding that the knowledge of God in our, but gain the understanding of the knowledge of who God is in our suffering. And with God, our sorrow can turn to joy with the gift of understanding. The word of God says that joy comes in the morning, but I've also experienced that joy can come from mourning, M-O-U-R, N-I-N-G, mourning the loss of loved ones, the loss of expectations, he is there. He is a God who comes near and stays through it all. He is a God who walks and waits with us. He doesn't leave us alone in our suffering. He is God with us. He is the blessing of understanding. Now let's get to our final point and his final act on earth, the blessing of his departure. Verse 49 through 52. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, Jesus really played uh, his departure here like the ultimate reverse card in Uno. He died and he's back again. He's alive now and with you, but he's gotta go. He's leaving you, but he has a promise that is coming. As he dipped up and out, he sure did chuck them deuces. Peace out takes on a whole nother meaning here because Jesus left his disciples and you and me with a promise. Let's start with Jesus's words. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This sentence alone could write a hundred sermons, but for today, I'm going to quickly run through it, starting with Jesus telling them to stay or wait in Jerusalem. Or as old school Christians know this verse, tarry in ye Jerusalem. 
Now, some OG charismatic Pentecostal Holy Spirit rolling Christians took this word and they ran with it. Back in the day, so I've heard, they would have tarry meetings where people would come out to the church, to the tent, to the field, to the house, to the backyard, and they would stay and they would stay and they would stay some more to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, nothing was wrong or is wrong with this, but it's not really the point. Jesus told these specific disciples on this specific day to tarry in a specific place in Jerusalem for a specific purpose, to be clothed with power from on high. This transitional, transformational moment between Jesus' departure and the Pentecostal arrival of the Holy Spirit will never happen again, nor does it need to happen again. Because the Holy Spirit came down a few days later and entered the room like a mighty wind and stayed. There is no need for us to have a Terry meeting in Austin, Texas. Sure, there is wisdom and something beautiful about waiting in his presence, waiting with the Holy Spirit to guide us, to tarry in his word, to receive revelation. But there is no need to tarry like the disciples tarried to receive him. He is yours to receive now. God wants to bless his church as much as they're willing to receive him today. The prophecy in the book of Joel has been fulfilled. It will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. It happened then and it's happening today at church on Sunday during the worship service or in between services while people are praying, at the house during community groups, back in MKIDS or across the street in our student ministry or our street ministry. It's happening in our GROW classes and Leadership 215. It's happening in the offices and through our staff. It's happening on the way to school, at lunch meetings and at home, in the kitchen while dinner is being prepared. God is continuously pouring out his spirit upon us so that we can be endued with power from on high. It's the Father's promise that all who desire will receive power from on high, will receive his spirit, will receive his presence. This is why Jesus' departure is the next greatest blessing after his death and resurrection. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a greater blessing that comes from his departure. Jesus had to ascend so that confidence would be put in the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, not in the geographical presence of Jesus. This is an up upside down kingdom moment here. To give us more of him, Jesus leaves. To gain more of him, Jesus departs from the earth. Jesus knew the disciples could not do the work he was calling them to do unless they were clothed with power from on high and neither can we. Richard B. Hayes in his book, The Moral Vision of the New Testament says this about the power from on high. The Holy Spirit empowers the work and witness of the church. Repentance is required to be sure in order to receive God's forgiveness and blessing. But where the Spirit is poured out on the church, it sweeps the believers along as though in a great river of obedience, praise and mighty works. Empowered by the Spirit, the community can dare and hope for great things, see see visions, dream dreams, and turn the world upside down for his glory. His kingdom weighs on earth as it is in heaven. Where the spirit is at work, liberation is underway. Good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and deliverance to the oppressed. The purpose of God's outpouring of the spirit is to establish a covenant community in which justice is both proclaimed and practiced. Luke tells the story of the formation of a new human community, the church. 
in which goods are shared and wrongs are put right. Jesus left and departed the earth to give us more of God himself. Are we receiving the blessing of his departure today? Are we letting his spirit guide us into living as a covenant community? Because I want that. I want his church, me and you, to be known for loving mercy, doing justice, and walking humbly with our God. I pray this year, 2023, is the year we all experience spiritual transformation by the power and blessing of Jesus Christ, that this year the lost come home, the oppressed are set free, the broken are healed, and the rich share their goods. I pray this year test testimony after testimony after testimony can be heard of God's interruption, his divine, his divine redemption, holy sanctification throughout homes in our city, in the greater Austin area, throughout our state, our nation, and all nations. May we receive him and be clothed with power from on high. Jesus leaves them, blessing them in his departure. As he ascended with outstretched arms, he can continued to bless them. There is beautiful cinematic symmetry here in this image of Jesus ascending with outstretched arms, blessing his people. Of course, there's the blessing on the cross. But also when we look back at the work of the Levite priests in the Old Testament, we see it. Among their many tasks, the main one was bringing sacrifices to God in the temple for the people. Following the sacrifices and offerings of incense in connection with them, the high priest regularly would come out of the temple, outstretch their arms, and bless God's people. With his final act, our great high priest reverses what looks like the final blow into the greatest gift the church would ever receive, his Holy Spirit. Now, for a couple of years, I've had the honor of giving the blessing from the book of Numbers at the close of hundreds of services. This blessing, as I, as I would speak, it would minister to me every time. And I thought it would be appropriate that today, after this message on Jesus blessing his disciples, Jesus blessing his church, on January 1st, 2023, I would end with this blessing. But before I do, I know you're at home today and maybe listening from the kitchen while tidying up and doing, putting the dishes away or folding the laundry or maybe you're on the couch eating breakfast or lunch or dinner at this point. Wherever you are, if you are able, I would ask you to pause and stand with me as I speak a blessing over you. It is a blessing that the Lord taught to Moses to teach to Aaron on how to bless his people. The Lord said to Moses, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. My people, say to them, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your promise fulfilled. Father, I pray that we receive all that you have for us this year. Be near the brokenhearted. Help them understand, help us understand how close you are to us in all seasons, in all circumstances, before we even understand who you fully are. You are for us. You are with us. You suffered for us. God, I just thank you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And I do pray that our young dream dreams, our old sea visions, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would just be, be poured out 
onto Mosaic, onto this local body, into the streets and schools and homes and businesses of Austin, Texas and the greater Austin area that would reach those who are listening from afar. God, I just thank you that it is you who are able. It is your glory, Father, that we are allowed to come a part of and take up space in and around in your presence. Father, we find our peace. We find the blessing. We find you. I thank you again for your blessing, for your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.